0: Where have you taken me? Where are we now? So we are currently in Porto Cafe, kind of on the Malacón.
1: Right, right, right. A block away. Which I've walked by, walked by a million times. And even recently, like a week ago, I looked in here and I was like, you know what, that looks like a fun little place. I mean, you, you, you named it, I completely yeah. forgot where it was and there's some rest.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's hiding in plain sight. It's, it's, I think it's relatively new, it hasn't been here very long and I just strolled by it one day and I was like, go! I want coffee, but that's kind of how I am with all cafes.
1: Yes. So you've been here how long? Actually, no, let's start at the very beginning. You're yes. from where? You were raised where?
0: I was born and raised in a little town called Lambertville, New Jersey, which is between Philadelphia and New York.
1: Okay.
0: I grew up there. Um, I started commuting in and out of New York when I was about 13, when I got my first uh, commercial agent my mom would drive me across the state. She would get me out of school like a half an hour early to go do auditions in the city. Um, And I would do like commercials, commercial auditions for like clothing and makeup and all kinds of stuff. Um, And I did that for several years. Um, And then I went to school in Montclair, New Jersey, where I, again, was training for theater and dance. But I was commuting in and out of the city all the time to do um, auditions and to do master classes, to take workshops from casting directors who I thought I might work with. Uh, that's that's the living in New York for, for a musical theater performer. Right. You you go and you take class so that you can apply it to auditions for regional theater, Broadway shows, tours, whatever. Mm. So, yeah, I did that for a long time. And uh, you have
1: a. You have a have a circuitous route, but you have an extended Mexico history.
0: Yeah, kind of, because after I lived in New York, I booked a gig in China, uh, which doesn't seem related at all, but it is, because the people that I was working with in China were all non-Chinese civilians, uh, non-Chinese citizens. So I had people from Spain, Mexico, Portugal, the UK, uh, and I was the only American the first time around. But the people that I was living with all spoke Spanish. So that's where I started picking up, like, real useful Spanish as opposed to what I had learned in school. <laughs> and so, then, yeah, which is obviously mainly useless. Um, and then, so then after that China thing was done, I wound up moving to Cancun with uh, my boyfriend at the time. And we lived there for a year. And now I am here in Puerto Vallarta. And it's been one year. It's been one year, just about uh, a little over a year.
1: November.
0: Yeah, November last year.
1: So yes, between me, um, Derek, yeah. Eric, uh, you, November's so, like we're all November two thousand seventeen.
0: Must be because it's the
1: the height of uh, high season. It's the, yeah, it's what brings you here. So maybe I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if six months from now somebody looks back and they said, you know what? I know a handful of people. i moved here November two thousand eighteen. Yeah. It's probably like an annual thing for
0: everybody. Yeah. It was a good time for me because I had been. I had. Uh, Received a job opportunity actually in the Middle East that didn't pan out Um, Actually a lot of things happened that year when I was in Cancun I Kept getting job offers and then they wouldn't happen like for example one of them uh, They had I was I was gonna be replacing somebody in the Middle East and then the whole band got fired by the hotel so after I had done all the visa work and the medical tests and everything, they said, sorry, the job's not happening anymore. Mm. So I had like, I had like canceled all of my plans and was getting ready to leave for six months. And then the job mm. didn't happen. A couple of things like that happened. I don't remember what, but there were just a lot of opportunities that just fell through over and over again. Wow. So at that point I was kind of like, I was in love with Cancun, but I was really feeling like, I guess I need to throw my net, cast a wider net. Right. So it just ended up bringing me to Puerto Vallarta. When did
1: when did the cruise ships happen? When did your cruise cruise ships
0: ships were the year of 2016, but I did two contracts in one year. So some depending on the depending on the cruise line, you do a contract between four and nine months basically as a performer. Waiters and engineers have a totally different thing. I don't know, but for performers that's pretty standard. I booked a six month contract right like pretty much on New Year's Day 2016 is when I started rehearsals, which is pretty ironic. Uh, And then I was on a ship for five months. And then while I was on that ship getting ready to go home in the spring, the headquarters emailed me and said, this is top secret, but we would like to cast you in a new production as a new leading character on another ship. We need to transfer you and you're going to start another contract in two weeks. And I couldn't tell anybody except my family and my boyfriend at the time. And it was like a huge opportunity. It was like like creating a new character. It was like recreating a character that had already existed. I was gonna be the first female lead character in this show that they had. Okay. Uh, it was called Pixels. And I did that for six months. It was called? Pixels. 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 Like, the movie. like the movie. That's but yeah, it's one of the when shows was in the Why was it top secret? it was secret because <laughs> um i don't even know if i'm supposed to tell this i mean it's old news now <laughs> it's uh it was secret because things were still being confirmed the show was being transferred from oh, why are the children everywhere why i'm trying to escape and then they bring them the cafes take them to mcdonald's where they belong
1: why is she yelling
0: um, so this is all going to be on the podcast. <laughs> I'm like I'm crotchety. So I'm so crotchety. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally not ready to have children. Again. Anyways, I um, they were transferring from Germany area where the ship was was debuted yeah. and doing its inaugural first trip to reposition it to China. So that that um, they always make that a really big money making promotional that first voyage between Germany and wherever it's going to be based whether it's Florida, whether it's Australia, wherever and during the course of that first voyage, their Chinese representatives who owned that ship, I believe they basically said we don't like the show that you guys picked but the show was already open the show was already open, the ship had already been in the water for weeks, sailing across the, not weeks, but like sailing across the world, full well, production's already mounted, there's people in it doing it the the drama was that they were taking out the man and replacing him with a woman. Uh, I don't know if that had always been the plan. So I basically had to step in to a cast that already existed, a ship that had already been sailing without me, and I had to just kind of come in and be like, "Hey guys, what's up? I'm doing the show now." And it was, I think the lead the lead guy that I was replacing knew, um, but I think it was just a little bit of. Unorthodox, and so they wanted to keep it under wraps until everything was confirmed.
1: Okay, but it all worked out, right? This, yeah, it did. Like, hey, there's a new person here, and it's not a man replacing a man.
0: Well, there was definitely some collateral drama that came with that. It, it was a much more complicated situation than that, um, because they had already had someone... Oh, man, it was really complicated.
1: Well, you have to build a family when you work that closely, that consistent. Right? Yeah. Um, okay. Question about uh, ships. Does that mean when you have a six-month contract, you are on a ship for six months straight, or are I mean, there I are mean, windows yeah. where you can be home and relaxing, and you're not?
0: No, no. You live on the ship for six months. You you touch land, of course. You're allowed to get off the ship if your schedule allows. Like when the guests get off, you can get off too if you if you're not working. Um, but there are some ship employees who are not performers, like waiters, engineers, housekeeping. They, like, never get off the ship. Never
1: get off. Because
0: sometimes their job is to be cleaning or preparing food while the guests are gone. Yes. The guests are gone in port. So they're the ones, like, doing the beds, washing the windows, stuff that can only be done in port. So those jobs can really suck. They, they actually don't get off the ship for weeks at a time. Imagine. No,
1: I can't. How, yeah. um, how, how fast is a turnaround when you actually get to your destination versus turning around and going... Or starting again I guess because well, it starts it ends when it starts yes yeah.
0: mostly it really depends there's a lot of fluctuation it has to do with the every ship is different for example um, the ships that I was on between China er, in the Asia route uh, Northeast Asia so that was between China South Korea and Taiwan China South Korea Japan those areas tend to be four and five day cruises so say for example on day one you start in Hong Kong Day two is a sea day to cross the East Asia Sea. I forget what the East sea that was to get to Japan. You spend day three in Japan, and then they basically like haul ass on day four to bring you back to uh, Hong Kong in China. For for example, uh, that's not a that's not a correct timeline. I'm just using examples, but I'm, we were farther up and it was it was different. But no no no, it was Beijing. That's what I'm going to say. Hong Kong is like really far south. Because I know that someone listening to this will be like, that doesn't make sense geographically. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the map because I haven't been back there in a long time. <laughs> and I'm that ignorant. We like, went <laughs> <well>, from Alaska. <laughs> <to> <laughs> you could get from Africa Alaska to <laughs> Hong
1: Kong in two days, of course.
0: No, but uh, so, so that's go. that's an example. So, but then there's other ships where they are constantly doing like laps around the world, and people get on in. Malaysia, uh, and they get off in Sydney, Australia. Oh, like a train,
1: right?
0: Yeah, oh, and then okay. the ship just keeps kind of... Or the ship will, will circulate around Australia every two weeks, but somebody, you know, wants to get on in Perth and get off in Brisbane, yeah. like... Uh, and again, that's not a good example because they don't know the geography, but um, I'm just saying that that's, a, that's an example. That's crazy. So, like, when the ship first debuted in Germany, there were people who booked the entire inaugural cruise. Mm. That's, like... I think it was like a two-month, that's a two-month cruise. But then they see all the ports in between in one giant trip. That's that's seeing half the world in one one vacation. And, you know, people who are retired, people who are business people, like, and so we would, we would see them for that entire time. We'd be like, how you doing, Jenny? Because they, they're basically living on the ship with us for that whole time. As opposed to, yes, we only see for five days. We never learn their name.
1: So the audience, the customers, were truly international? Or were they mostly Asian from the, the area?
0: During the inaugural trip, so I joined the ship after it had already left. So I joined the ship in Dubai. I had about two weeks of rehearsal, and then we fully opened my show. I was in rehearsal while the show was already open. Mm-hmm. So I had two weeks of rehearsal while I was passing between Dubai, uh, Oman, Singapore. Singapore was awesome. And then going back up to Hong Kong, and then finally basing in Beijing. During the two weeks, it was totally international. We had Middle Eastern people, Canadians, Europeans, you name it. And it was amazing. Um, But once you get to China, it's all Chinese people. Like, I'm talking like 95% Chinese. Because... First of all, not a lot of expats go to China to take cruises. They're mostly in China to like own a business or work. They're not there to take cruises. Um, And then other foreigners would like go there. Yeah, no, there were really none. It was almost all Chinese. And your performances were all English language, uh, musical style? No. The show that I was in was very... okay. so the ship that I was on had two venues. We had the, the front of the ship, the bow, had a, uh, a venue called the Royal Theater. And that's like the traditional cruise ship theater, a thousand seats, big traditional stage, uh, stairs going down to the audience, you can dance in the audience, but then you come back on the stage. And then at the back of the ship, the this, show, this ship had a new venue called 270, which is literally 270 degree views. The back of the ship is one big window, two stories high, almost three. And at night for the shows, they bring down these giant panoramic screens, and they would project images onto the screen instead of scenery. So it would look like these. It, it was. I gotta show you a video to include in this because it's um, one of the most high tech. It's. I think the venue cost like four million dollars or something. Just the venue inside the ship. Just the right? venue. Yeah. Not even the entire ship. Uh, and they. I. I think. They quoted it as saying that that venue, the first one that they built, because they have four of them now, cost the same as the first ship Royal Caribbean ever bought. That's crazy, right? It shows how much they've grown
1: over the decades. So when I arrived here in November, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the first, you wouldn't know this specific part, but I believe the first time I saw you perform was at a canticle. Was it a uh, gospel you, brunch? It was a gospel brunch. Yeah. It was a gospel brunch. And you were with two others. Mm-hmm. And it would have been the first time I had seen Luis perform. Mm-hmm. And was it Halda too? Yes, it was. So it was the three of you. Yeah. And I remember the Holy um, Host
0: singers. You recall yes. the Holy Host singer. Holy Host
1: singer. Yes, so that sounds like a nice like a Tracy joke. Yeah, uh, but I remember it, I was I was there for the inaugural, was the very first one, and I think it was like a like a preview tester. Because how many yes. performances were there? Do you recall?
0: Um, there was uh, the previewer in like end of December last year. Yep. Because this just came up on my Facebook memories. It was it almost is. exactly a year ago. No. <laughs> how weird is that? But I think then we we started doing two shows a month in January. Yep. And then it continued to be more frequent, like, every Sunday.
1: Oh, okay. Because what's funny is these things fall off the radar. You know what I mean? Like, you experience it once, and then you forget about it. Yeah. Because I'd gone to that preview one, Mm -hmm. and it was the first time I'd seen any of you perform. And now I know you all so much more now, right? Back then it was like, who are these strangers? Yeah, because Luisa's
0: time was kind of new and I think Hulda had only arrived a couple months prior. She had also probably arrived in October, November. So was was that
1: your first uh, public performance here or had you done it? No,
0: I was actually, I think my very first performance was at the Jazz Foundation. (laughs) Because basically, what had happened was... You
1: hit the ground running. I
0: did, I did. Well, what what I did was I arrived to Puerto Vallarta with no job. I came here with my ex. And I... The way that I usually book jobs is I walk into a place and I talk to people. And that's what I did when I got here. I, I was like, well, I only know two people here. I don't have a job. And I don't really know anything about this, this town. I moved here very last minute. Um, so I just went into, I, I Googled places like live music or piano bars, jazz bars, and then I went to them and I introduced myself to the manager, um, and, uh, the owner of Jazz Foundation, Jorge Dow, he invited me to sing the first night I was there. Um, and I talked to the piano player and then they wound up putting me in that band that they had at the time and I, and I had a gig the next, the next week. And then that's kind of what happened with Tracy as well i went to trace i uh, went into uh Encanto, and they had the piano bar open and i i think i was just making conversation with him and he goes oh no but i'm the owner and i was like oh you are like i just thought he was some random person there i mean how would i know i had just moved here of and struck up a really nice conversation with tracy and started a friendship with him and then he offered me my set at the piano bar in Encanto. so those are like the first two things i did here and i i went into an, another couple of places And it wasn't quite received the same way, Um, and that's you know obviously me showing up in November being like, hey, do you have anywhere you could hire me? They're like, bitch, we're booked. (laughs) You know, like we plan this out. Like I didn't know it was my first time. So exactly right. That seems to be the surprise for
1: a lot of people is there's a high season, low season divide, and and you don't know it until you're here. Yeah, and it's it's draft. It's always by sheer coincidence that we're here during high season.
0: Yeah. How would <laughs> you know? And then we get here and we realize, wait, there's,
1: yeah. a, there's a line here. Well, I also,
0: you know, I did kind of know that going into it because of what people told me. But I kind of just had, I, I read this book called The Power of No. Have you ever read it? No, no, no. It's, a, it's, a, it's got a picture of an umbrella on it. And then there's a little nose raining down on it. It's basically the idea of how to take rejection in order to gain more in your life, in your business, in your relationships, whatever. And the one of the theories is you're not going to know until you ask. Even if someone says to you, oh, well, it's high season, everything's booked. What am I going to do? Just go sit home and be like, okay, well, I'm just not going to work for the next six months. Like, no, I have to go ask. So that was my mentality. And then I wound up getting the gospel brunch and I, I like kicked off got corporate events so just took whatever I
1: could wow, wow. so your busiest what is it you're doing now because you're not just singing now you're doing more oh Lord, I'm doing everything uh, so the hardest the hardest working woman in America. <laughs> the way I the way I see it right? I, I hope so because I know you're performing and I see the ads but then I also see you on Facebook mentioning oh I'm also doing yoga something yeah mm-hmm. it, it sometimes
0: feels like I'm, I'm uh, spinning too many plates but mm-hmm. this is just kind of what I'm using. Too, um, So I have my show at Nacho Daddy's called A Dove on the Beach. That's every Sunday, um, but it's actually going to be select dates for the rest of the year. It's not going to be every Sunday because there's already some of the things that were already booked a long time ago, so we're working around those dates. Uh, that's my blues and Funk show that I designed. Uh, I have a Golden Era Evening, which is closed, but it, it now gets booked at select dates in La Cruz, in Ajijic in um, Bucerias, Maloya, places like that, so that is open and bookable. Um, I do like the odd corporate event um, with uh, some companies here, and then I'm teaching a jazz class for intermediate advanced students in Plataforma 322, which is a dance studio in Versailles. That's every Saturday starting again in January. We're on hiatus for the holidays. Do you teach um, dance? jazz dance yes okay Okay. because i've been i was a competitive dancer for like 10 years and i've been dancing professionally since then um i just haven't been doing it as much um over the last couple years because the i've just received more work as a singer it just kind of didn't happen um and so i was like well shoot i really missed that so i started teaching i'm also this is new i haven't even announced this yet I'm going to be teaching a stiletto heels class in Versailles, and that's really exciting because that's not just for dancers, that's for singers who don't know how to move on stage, it's for drag queens if they're interested, and it's aspiring. for... Aspiring. Yeah, it's basically... <laughs> it could be aspiring, they could be advanced, it's like Steven like already is like a super advanced and stuff like that, so I'm hoping he'll come in and do a guest class with me. All right. But then I also would like to pitch it to people who just want to feel sexy. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's comfortable putting on heels is welcome, right? You know, you would know so, better
1: than I do. Are women generally, is it something that's, um, I, this is going to sound stupid? Is yeah. it something that every woman inherently knows how to walk in heels? No. Women, right? Like it has Hell, to be learned. No. To be learned. You know. And
0: there are plenty of people like, stomping around Vallarta and have no fucking clue what they're doing and it kills me to watch they look like baby deer like wobbling around on the cobblestones and I'm like oh what are you doing but also when they're like in the club they don't really know how to move
1: Right.
0: but it's also it's an empowerment thing Um, when I took my first heels class I was like oh my god I feel like a different woman I felt changed from that class And some of the classes that I'm seeing online now, like on Instagram and things, they're getting a little too, like, stripper porn for my taste. I'm more into, like, the classy commercial side of it with a touch of that, you know, like a healthy taste. Like, I'm not pitching this class to 13-year-old girls. It's inappropriate. Um, however, there's gonna be, okay, so there's gonna be the heels class, there's gonna be the jazz class, and I might be picking up another day of teaching jazz and I might be teaching a musical theater class, uh. musical theater jazz. So, you know, like each class will be inspired by Chicago or a Newsies or cats, maybe, probably not. <laughs> like, really can't stand cats. But, you know, musical theater inspired because a lot of um, Mexican citizens that I've met who are in the arts, they don't really have a very good view of musical theater at large there's so much more variety in the last 10 years that they have, like, they know nothing about, like, Wicked. Gotcha, yeah. They They know of Phantom of the Opera, Cats, Grease, like, the old that makes stuff. That total sense. It hasn't been marketed to this area. Not at all. Like, that, Hamilton, half the people here haven't how even heard of Hamilton. Yeah. That blows my mind. Right. So I'm kind of trying to, I'm not, you know, going it, to, it's, I'm dabbling. Yeah, know. I'm dabbling. Because I want to give people the opportunities that I have had in New York, but bring it here. Mm -hmm. Like, in New York, I have the lion's share of any genre I want to take, I can find. And here, that is not the case. So that's something that I would like to contribute um, to the Vallarta community instead of, you know... It's really common for, for some locals to kind of have in the back of their head, like, oh, these foreigners come here, they're working here. They're making our money in jobs that we could have and I'm like, well, if I'm gonna be here making money, I should be contributing something to right. so that's And that's the
1: thing too. Like you present, you present as uh, you present as an American in every way, visually. Right? <laughs> yeah. Especially uh, when I was blonde. Right? But what people don't realize just by the look of you is that you're very fluent in Spanish. Yeah. That surprises me. Yes, I, I guess I am. So now. So I followed you down to Surprises um, me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess I am
1: when I followed you down to the show the other night, I remember, you know, you were just deep in conversation with all the other performers, it was all in Spanish. Oh, yeah. And of course, the, you know, the joke with me is that I look Mexican, but I cannot speak the language. Yeah, you can but you, all, <laughs> but you all were just like, dived right into it, and I thought, you know, here's this one person who I'm sure, when you walk into a room, a lot of people look, and they see, you know, oh, who is this person, and, but you have this uh, immediate connection. Wow. any connection with, you understand the culture, understand the language in a way that it is a shocker. Oh. Because especially in this city, especially in this city where you yeah. see so many people, now that it's November and December and we see...
0: Way more tourists who don't way speak the more language. People, right? Yeah. yeah. I feel, and I'm, I'm really flattered that you say that because that's really important to me. And I can say for sure, when I arrived to Cancun, I did not have that facility of language. I could speak it, but I couldn't understand it. If, if I received a phone call in Spanish, I couldn't keep up. Sometimes I still do, but that was something that I specifically worked on. And, that, and it was something that I could only learn from living here, and I, I made an effort to get better. If I didn't understand something, I would ask. And I even, uh, when I was living in Cancun, I was working with this girl group called the Divas, and I would, and I would tell the girls, because they were all around my age or younger, and I would tell them, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't understand, what does that mean? And some of them would try and translate it into English, and I'd be like, no, 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 just explain it to me, like, this word, what, like, they would say, like, flor de calabaza or something, and that's, like, this tiny little flower, and I'd be like, what is that? And they're like, oh, I don't know the word in English. I'm like, I would rather you explain it to me in Spanish that I understand. I'm not asking you to translate, because that would help me connect the dots better, and... And they appreciated that in turn that I wanted to understand, not that I wanted them to compensate for me. Oh, can you translate that for me? I, I speak English. Like, no, I'll just explain it to me. Yeah. You know? so, I worked really hard on
1: that. I forgot to mention um, the show that we traveled to. Oh yeah. Let's go back there. How did that happen? And what was it? What, what did you think? What did you think when there was the when it was uh, proposed to you? <laughs>
0: Definitely, uh, I feel like I might have gotten in over my head. (laughs) I wasn't sure what I was getting into. Let me see, how long have I been in that show? Because what was I doing when I booked it? Uh, So it's a a burlesque show, and they told me it was burlesque, and I was like, "Mm, I don't know about that. I don't do that, is what I said. Um, I'm uh, a little old school when it comes to being revealing. I... uh, I will show a little skin, but I'm very clear in all of my shows that I produce and that I book in other places that I do not show, that my show is not about my body. The show is about my voice or my dancing. Yeah. And uh, they told me it was burlesque, and I said, well, tell me about it. You know, what's the song list? When is it? Where is it? The girl uh, who was asking me needed to be replaced because she's pregnant. And she needed somebody quick. She needed somebody who could learn choreography uh, and who could sing this certain list of songs. And I looked at the song list and it was like fun stuff. It's like Cher, Christina Aguilera, Etta James, like it was a great so- song list. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know what? That looks like fun. And I don't have anything booked that night. And also I kind of, I kind of wanted to help them out, you know, because the girl was pregnant. And I realized, I was like, you know what? Like I could use some goodwill. It was like along the same lines. Like, yes, I needed I needed a paying job, but I was like, she's not going to be able to find just anybody to do that job. The singing and the dancing is not not anybody can do that show. So Yeah. Wow. And so then they is- showed me the costumes, and I was like, oh my god, that's lingerie. <laughs> but it's it's pretty conservative. Like I felt pretty pretty covered. So it's, it's no worse than wearing a leotard on stage, like I've done a thousand times. It's just a leotard made a lace. So I'm cool with it.
1: So what is the um, what is the plan now? You're uh, we're heading into January. Mm-hmm. You have and I've already forgotten it. You said there's an Nacho Daddy show, mm-hmm. and then there's the the, the Golden the,
0: Era show. I have a Golden uh, Era booking in La Cruz de Wanacoxley at a place called the Octopus Garden, mm-hmm. and that's on January 12th. It's a Saturday night. It's my first Saturday booking with that show since Encanto. Um, I might be doing a guest show at Encanto because February is my birthday month so I'm kind of hoping to do a a special one night only gig for my birthday Um, there's the dance classes, and then um, in January we're coming back with the Diana Villamonte show at Act 2 her Whitney Houston tribute show is going to be on Fridays at Act 2 for the rest of the season Uh, and I sing back up for her with uh, my friends Carla and Tony Yeah, so that'll be fun what then is the long
1: term plan? Is there a long term plan? Is there a yeah, kind month, of two year, three year, ten year?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. The last, I always say this to my friends: the best things in my life that have ever happened to me came by surprise. Nothing, almost nothing, has gone the way I planned, um, except for maybe my booking with Royal Caribbean. I worked my ass off for that job. I worked and auditioned a thousand times for them. Um, Right now, I honestly am keeping my fingers crossed because I auditioned for Cirque du Soleil a month ago, and they told me they're interested in hiring me in Vegas. And that's no guarantee, they said they're considering me, that I've already made it to the final round of casting. Um, So that's, that's, that's one of my bucket list jobs. And what I would love in a perfect world is to book a show with them and and work with them until the day I die, Um, because Cirque du Soleil has all kinds of opportunities and they're always growing and inventing and innovating. And that's why I want to be involved with them is because the opportunities are endless and the possibilities are endless. Um, Also since I've lived in Vallarta, I've realized that I want to become a producer or an artistic director because I'm my own manager, I'm producing my own shows. I already help my friends negotiate contracts in other countries. Um, I have a couple of companies um, like guest entertainer companies or cruise ship companies who ask me to be on the lookout for talent and then they pay me a commission if they book one of my friends. So I'm always doing stuff like that. And I'm kind of just throwing out feelers for now. Um, I like doing a lot of things like I like being producer, but performing is my passion. I like. Uh, Being a judge at dance competitions. um, That is a passion of mine. I've barely gotten a touch in the last couple of years Um, I do still want to be on Broadway, but I don't think that that's in the cards for me right now because I have other things I'm building first To the short question like the most realistic what's gonna happen over the next couple of months I would like to be here for the rest of the season. I have an apartment here. I'm happy here um, but then in the summer when things drop off, I will either be booking my show on cruise ships for short-term guest entertainer contracts. I'm looking at tour dates in California and Napa Valley with my either the Golden Era show or Dove on the Beach. I will be judging dance competitions in the spring. Or... Yeah, that's it. <laughs> there's, there's, <laughs> or Cirque du Soleil could many, call, right? right yeah, and
1: everything is off the table. And time.
0: that's that's the weird thing. It's like that's my main goal, but there's no timeline for that. Right, they right, they could right. call at any time, and they could say we want to book you next year, or right. we want to book you yeah. next week because someone died. Like or God, God call, forbid. Or they could
1: call you next year.
0: They could. Right? Yeah. You I could mean, just I just sit know. here and
1: drum your fingers on the table.
0: Exactly. Or you could do something. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. How do
1: you describe your musical style? What are your influences? Who are your influences? And how, what's your sounds?
0: Well, the very first artist, I can say without a doubt, the very first artist I ever gave shit about was Michael Jackson uh. and the Jackson 5. Yeah. I used to listen to their cassettes on my little toy boot box. Oh, okay. No, my little toy boot <laughs> box, <laughs> like from Fisher Price. <laughs> okay. That was what I listened to uh, when I was five years old. So my parents listened to soul, folk, Jackson 5, rock music, like uh, grand, funk, well, grand Funk Railroad is funk. Um... Sing, Seal, people like that. So that's what I like grew up listening to. And then, of course, like, Etta James, Aretha Franklin kind of people. Um, we used to listen to this radio station called XPN. And they are really eclectic. They, they discovered John Legend, Ben Folds, Adele, way before they were mainstream. Oh, and they, wow, okay. they were doing stuff like that. like um, Those are what I consider my influences. But I think if you listen to me sing... I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but like other people have said it about me. They're like, you, you sound like a black person. <laughs> that's what I've been told. Um, my voice uh, teachers yeah. have said that, the audiences have said that. Um, and I think that's kind of come by accident because I, um, I was singing jazz for fun for years and not using it professionally. I was always singing musical theater professionally because I thought that's what people wanted from me. But then like in my free time, I was singing jazz and soul music and then one of my voice teachers said to me one day whoa where has that been hiding i sang for him uh, you know cry me a river cry me a river cry me a river i cried a river over you and he was like what the fuck? where has that been hiding and then from there he was like do you sing journey and i was like yes and he was like you gotta sing journey and then we started singing journey and i had these high notes that i never knew i had had so i guess my my voice has the colors of jazz soul and and rock shred in there mm, yeah that's interesting yeah i try i try and be flexible because in new york you have to be very versatile if you want to work and especially if you don't want to have a day job if you want to just be a singer you got to sing everything so i was singing musical theater rock like cheesy pop, like um, Megan Trainor and Christina Aguilera. Yeah, I was singing. I wasn't singing that much soul music. So there wasn't much market for it when I was there. Um, but then, like the the high-pitched musical theater voice, like up in the nose. I had to sing that. <laughs> um, I was in an opera one time, but I was an alto, so I had to sing really low and dark, like this. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I like had a cold. Uh, yeah. It like you had a cold. Yeah. I've done a little bit of everything. Dang. So, and I and I like it like that. It keeps, it keeps it fresh.
1: So you would identify as a performer in the sense that you're not a songwriter, you're not an instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Nope. So you're. Mo-
0: <laughs> I cannot <laughs> play. D- Someone yeah. asked me to play the tambourine once. I couldn't handle it. I <laughs> have no coordination. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, I guess would it be performer slash entertainer? Um, I still
0: call myself a singer dancer, though. Okay. Honestly, yeah, that works too. Because yeah, I I I've, I've been a technical dancer for twenty. 20- Three years, I still consider myself a singer-dancer. Yeah,
1: yeah. all-around entertainer. Right. right, right, right. Yeah. But you've never, you've never written, you've never.
0: I've dabbled, I've scribbled, but uh, it's not really my passion. Right. Um, it's the interpretation, which is what dance
1: is too, right? It's the interpretation.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I would say my happy place is standing behind a mic, standing behind an old-fashioned mic, and just singing my face off. Singing ballads is my favorite thing. It's not always what people want to hear. But I found that, like, with really highfalutin audiences, it's more appreciated. Some yeah. people who just want to hear a well-crafted song—that's what I'm good at. It helps me like zone in. Yeah, it's you. It's
1: yours. It's yeah. yours. What is your What is your favorite song? Oh, I mean, that's ridiculous. I, know, I can't pick right?
0: <laughs> I mean, the first song that I, that came to mind was "Lush Life" by Billy Strayhorn, which is um, all full of dissonance and chord changes, and it's very unexpected. That song is in my jazz show. And then I would say, like, second runner up is. Uh oh my god, what is that Journey about? Without you, that you chose, oh. Uh, Lights, oh my god, Lights by Journey. When the lights go down in the city, the sun shines on the bay. And then Steve Perry goes, Do I wanna be there in my city? Oh. Oh, 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 like He has such a freedom in his voice yes. That when I sing his music I feel like free I feel like I'm in therapy It's right. really
1: Yes, yes Oh, wow It's yeah, really great
0: Gosh, I talk so much <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, everybody doesn't uh, I think
0: that's lots I think I gave you so much <laughs> Probably too much You're going to have to sort through this And be like, what do I know? <laughs> no, anything else you'd like to add? No, you know, I feel like the reason I like Vallarta so much is because it's so surprising. Every time I tell people about it, I can never shut up. Like, there's art, there's shopping, there's beach, there's hiking in mountains, there's cosmopolitan cities not far away. There's little artsy streets, there's trendy nightclubs, there's kind of gangly nightclubs, like... Bayarda has a little bit of everything and I find it really sustaining for me I feel like I'm just trying to do everything as fast as as I'm trying to take a big bite of the city and just experience as much as I can Um, to the point where it's almost overwhelming sometimes like I really think I need to hire a manager (laughs) to help me because it's hard to organize it all but that's kind of why like I addressed with the venues when I moved here I said I just want to let you know that I I want to work at more than one place because I, I feel like I have different products for different demographics. And they all said that that was fine as long as I was upfront about it, you know? And that has been a huge blessing. And I'm glad, I'm glad that they have all been so understanding because that's how I've met so many circles of people. Like Encanto, Jazz Foundation, Nacho Daddies, Act 2, totally. Culture, everybody has been welcoming and warm. and that is what makes me wanna, like people have come to me asking for voice lessons, asking for tap dance lessons. There are a lot of people living here who are just living here to have fun. People who are retired or people who are on hiatus from their job in other countries. They come here just to enjoy themselves and enrich themselves. And when they come to me asking for services that I like to do, like voice lessons and, and dance class, I'm a happy camper. And all of that helps me grow. And be ready for Cirque du Soleil when they come and knock in.